When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's close things up with our two-minute drill. The two-minute drill. The two-minute drill. With the wide receiver room, <laughs> Ailis Jones, healthy scratch. And Keel Harry, healthy scratch. Chase Claypool, 19 snaps. I want to know if you are in full developmental mode or if this season doesn't matter, why is Byron Pringle taking up airspace on the sidelines? Why is Equinemius St. Brown doing what he's doing. Don't the three guys that I just mentioned have to be part of it? Dante Pettis, why is he out there? So this is a problem. There's a two-pronged answer to that. The reason Dante Pettis is out there is because they need him to return punts because the guy you drafted in the third round to return punts can't catch them. And the only reliable option you have right now is Dante Pettis. And so now he's eating up snaps on offense and he's eating up a roster spot on game day because you need him to go back and catch punts and you can only carry so many receivers on your game day roster and so you're in a pickle right like it's a total pickle Brian Byron Pringle comes back off injured reserve and he contributes what was the final number yesterday he gets one catch for 12 yards on two targets I mean we're six six months into the Byron Pringle experiment and I and I don't know I don't know what we're expecting there and so like this is this is why I'm not going to be overly critical or overly harsh about this, but this idea that, they, that they're just going to shake a magic wand and the receiving core is going to be fixed for 2023 is a big leap of faith because they had opportunities right. in this last roster acquisition cycle to make upgrades to the receiver position. They chose not to pick a receiver with two picks in, in round two, right? And we know the receivers that came off the board there. Then they used a third rounder on Valus Jones, who's been awful, right? He's been a total disappointment for you, his rookie season to this point. Then you go out in free agency and you, and you get Pringle and he's given you nothing. And then you roll the dice. It's a low risk dice roll on Nikhil Harry. But hey, guess what? He's not dynamic enough to get a jersey on game day. And then you've got Clay, Chase Claypool, who I think people have to come to grips with the understanding that this might be your biggest 2023 ride receiver acquisition, right? Because you're going to go in to 2023 with two uh, receivers entering contract years, and that's Mooney and Claypool. And you're going to have to decide whether you want to pay one or both, right? And that's going to require some investment. And, and one of those guys is probably going to get a, an extension before the 2023 season starts, right? And so now you just got to understand that like they've got a lot of work to do at that position. They don't have a lot of answers built in. And I just, I just don't know where it's going to go to the point where, where people say, Oh, now Justin's got the game breaking talent. That's going to turn him into a superstar. All right. Let's talk about Jack Sanborn or the jackhammer as Jeff Joniak dubbed him. I uh, want to be clear here. I think Jack Sanborn is somebody I want on my football team. 
I w- would even be comfortable with him being a starting linebacker in my defense. The only thing that I have gotten some pushback on is that my statement that I stand by, if he is your best defensive player, your defense is limited. He is an undrafted free agent. I hope he's in the league for 10 years. And you know what? He could be. He's going to be a, a reliable tackler, a good special teamer, and a role player on defense. He could be your starter, but I do think that he has some uh, athletic limitations that are obvious, and that's okay because he could maybe overcome them, and he has begun to do that. That's why they trust him. What is his role moving forward, Dan? And do you think that his presence played any part in the Bears' thinking on whether or not to trade Roquan Smith? Look, I think I, I don't know that that factored in at all. Like, I think that that's just it's kind of the next man up in, in that regard. I don't think he factored into the Roquan trade, but I do think he can he can be a low cost starting option for you. Right. He certainly hasn't looked out of place these first two starts. And he, he's just a guy who's assignment sound and has instincts. Right. And Jack talked to us on Monday afternoon and somebody asked him, like, when did you know you had instincts? And he's just like, you know, I don't know, like you start playing linebacker a lot and you develop them and you're at Wisconsin and you see other NFL caliber linebackers ahead of you you know playing the position a certain way and you learn things from them and over time you just kind of you know work on your craft and sharpen your skills and 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 you find out ways to minimize your limitations and use things that you're really good at and you're a productive player and and the bears coaching staff i think came away impressed in the preseason right like they 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 saw things in in training camp and and during the offseason that said okay let's see what this looks like when the lights come on and then jack sanborn a hometown kid with a lot to play for met the moment right we talk about that all the time on this podcast and he did great in the preseason and that builds confidence in the people around you um I, I think, you know, I, I think he's more than a placeholder, right? Like, I think he's a guy that, that can that can give you something there. And now you just go into that mode of, okay, like if we can, if we can have an undrafted rookie become a starting caliber player for us on our defense, now we can allot some of these other resources to more premium positions. I think we're both in agreement that they better go find multiple pass rushers for 2023 because they can't generate pressure at all right now. Totally agree. And pressure would help the secondary. Secondary struggled at times. Uh, and that brings me to my next point I want to ask you about. Jalen Johnson gave up a 44-yard completion to Tom Kennedy. Oh, you know Tom Kennedy. He went to Bryant <laughs> College. He's a professional lacrosse player. That Tom Kennedy. Yeah, 5'10 and weighs 175 pounds soaking wet after lunch. He got behind. He, he beat Jalen Johnson, right? And what happened on that play? And I, and I guess I know what happened on that play. I watched it. I rewatched it and I watched it again. A question is this. I thought Jalen Johnson playing through an oblique, whatever the injury turns out to be, was something that I admired. I thought it was a, a, a consideration when evaluating just how critical to be of him not covering Tom uh, Tom uh, Kennedy, whatever his name is, in that situation. <laughs> but I think that this is what Matt Eberflus had to say when asked about the right way to approach or evaluate Jalen Johnson given his injury. Yeah, we don't make excuses. He was out there playing. We got we got to play. Okay, Dan, that did not sound like a coach who was necessarily defending his guy and using that as a crutch or an excuse or an explanation for why he wasn't a better defender in that play. What did you think of that? So – I was a little disappointed Sunday afternoon when Jalen Johnson threw a Bears spokesperson declined to talk to reporters after the game, but promised that he would speak on Monday instead. And then he decided to not speak on Monday at Hallis Hall. And because I, I was I was eager to ask him, you know, about the oblique issue and exactly what the 
the discomfort and the limitations were to get a more honest depiction from the player himself of what he was playing through. He had to come out of the game in the first half because he was obviously in discomfort and, and, and didn't look like himself the whole afternoon. And when Tom Kennedy, you know, the neighbor that you borrowed your drill from last week, <laughs> <laughs> gets free for a 44-yard uh, reception on the game-winning drive, you have to say, well, what what, what is that, right? Like just a week and a half ago, uh, Jalen Johnson was raising his hand to shadow Tyreek Hill, right? And now you can't cover t- Tom Kennedy, Troy Kennedy, Tim Kennedy, whatever his name is. He'll get to, I'll get to, I'll get you the drill back by Friday, I promise. But <laughs> Eberflus did not come rallying to his defense, and so now we just have to figure out what this looks like going forward. I mean, Matt, you heard him there say, "Look, like if the player says they're good to go, we believe they're good to go." Um, Clearly, Tevin Jenkins, who was also a late addition to the injury report during practice last week, wasn't good to go on Sunday and, and was replaced in the starting lineup and didn't play. So I just it's something to keep an eye on because I'm not I'm not really sure what's there or how J- Jalen was feeling and, and, and how he kind of regroups from this. All right. Last thing I want to point out or ask about what, what is the, uh, your status report? How concerned are you? How concerned should we be? Cairo Santos did not have a good day. They missed PAT, the kick out of bounds. And then I don't think that he necessarily sounded post-game either like a guy that was necessarily, um, well, let's just say that we have heard other kickers fall on the sword a little bit more obviously than Cairo Santos did. I looked away uh, during the PAT after that, that touchdown run just for a second to write something down in my notebook. And then it was like, people like he, he missed it. I'm like, Oh man, that's bad. Rewatched it on Monday. He didn't miss it. I mean, that was, that was like one of the worst snap hooks that like I hit off the first tee somewhere where it's just like, Oh God, like I hope that didn't go through the, the patio window of that, that person's backyard. I mean, that was, there was something wrong there. And I'd be interested later in the week to get the full diagnosis that Cairo saw um yeah i mean (laughs) off day for sure i mean the guy's still been 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 rock solid for you for most of the year outside of the monsoon game um you know it's not a trend to me yet it was it was a rough afternoon and and i just i'd be curious later in the week to circle back because he's kairo's usually a very stand-up guy and very like almost to a fault open about about what goes on in his world and so he's gonna have uh, some questions to answer and i'm sure he will do so willingly and people that doesn't mean i don't like kairo santos that doesn't mean i've lost confidence in kairo santos i think kairo santos is an outstanding kicker who's been very good for the bears but he had a bad day and they lost by one. Cairo so, hater. No, okay. 